I'm taking a look at the clock there because someone told me after Bible class that they were sitting there and they thought, man, is this class ever going to get over with? Then they realized their watch had stopped. You know, I, I used to remember, it doesn't happen very often anymore, most of us don't have a mechanical watch, but back in the days of mechanical watches, it never really bothered me if someone glanced at their watch during a sermon. What did bother me was when I would see someone take their watch off and hold it up to their ear to see if it was still ticking. So I'm looking at the clock. I read a story not long ago about a barber. A fine, good, Christian, church-going barber. And this barber had heard a rousing story about soul winning. About people telling others about Jesus. About people sharing their faith in Jesus Christ with others. And he was so moved by that sermon that he signed up for a special evangelism soul winners class that the congregation he attended was offering. And he spent several weeks in that class. He memorized Scripture. He took notes. They had role-playing exercises in the class where they would share their faith with others. And the day finally came, he had finished. And he had an opportunity. He had prayed, and he had prayed earnestly that God would bring someone into his presence, someone into his barber shop that needed Jesus Christ to be a part of their life. Someone he could tell his well-rehearsed story of salvation to. Well, sure enough, he's finished the class. He's been praying for God to bring him someone to tell Jesus about. And this big, burly biker covered with tattoos and wearing chains walks into the barber shop. He's got his leather, his tattoos, and his chains, and he says to the barber, he says, I've lost a bet. And since I lost a bet, I need you to shave off my beard. Well, this barber knew that this biker was the answer to his prayers. But as you can imagine, he's more than just a little bit nervous about what's going to happen. How's this biker going to take it? How's he going to react? Is he going to listen to the story of Jesus when I try to tell it to him? Is he going to get angry? And the, the, the barber's trying to think about what he needs to say. And he takes his scissors and he carefully trims the, bar, the, the biker's beard. And he gets the lather out of the hot lather machine and he lathers up the, bar, the biker's beard. And he takes his razor and he's rubbing his razor on the razor strap and he says, Sir... Are you prepared to die? Well, now, maybe that approach is not the best in the world. Maybe that's not the most tactful approach that you'd want to use. But you've got to admire His desire. You've got to admire His commitment. You've got to admire His dedication. That said, I want to pose some very serious questions this morning. 
Can you imagine a firefighter leaving a victim inside a burning house and not trying to rescue them? Would a doctor see a patient dying, laying on a gurney, and not try in some way to help them? Would a lifeguard on the beach sitting high atop his lifeguard station see a swimmer drowning and just continue to sit on his lifeguard station? Would a mother see her child in danger and not make an attempt to save that child? The obvious answer to every one of those questions is, of course not. They wouldn't then how, in the name of Israel's God, can Christian people see a world that's lost? A world that's on its way to a fiery hell and make no attempt to tell other people about Jesus. Before Jesus went back to the Father, He called His disciples together. And he told them, he says, all authority has been given to me in heaven and in earth. And in Matthew chapter 28 and verses 19 and 20, he said, Go you therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. Folks, once upon a time, churches of Christ were the fastest growing, if not, were one of the fastest growing, if not the fastest growing religious groups in America. What happened? What went wrong? Where did we lose our way? And maybe a better question might be, what should our view of evangelism be? What should our view of soul winning be? I think part of the problem is that it's simply embarrassment sometimes over our clumsy attempts at sharing the gospel. I think sometimes it's rebellion because we've had one too many guilt trip sermons about soul winning and that's not what this is designed to be this morning. I think we all have images of turn or burn of evangelists and hellfire and damnation preachers. Those that all of us have known in the past that seemed more intent on collecting scalps than they were saving souls. And maybe bad evangelism over the years has turned us off to evangelism at all. But in reality, evangelism, sharing the gospel of Jesus, Telling our friends about Jesus Christ. Folks, that ought to be like one beggar telling another beggar where he found some bread. I think sometimes that we really don't see the urgency of sharing our faith in Jesus. We just simply don't see any reason that we should attempt to share our faith. 
Do we believe? Do we really down deep in our heart of hearts? Do we believe that there is a place called hell where lost souls will spend eternity? We often live, I'm afraid, as if we really don't believe in hell. Or we do not believe that faith in Jesus is necessary for salvation. We want to talk about the love of God. We want to talk about the kindness and the mercy and the gentleness of Jesus. We want to talk about the gentle Jesus, meek and mild. But really and truly, it's most unpleasant to hear a sermon about or think about the judgment of God. When we talk about life after death, we want to talk about the sweet by and by. We don't want to talk about or think about the other side of the coin, which is eternal punishment. And it's tempting. It's so tempting to say that a good and a merciful and a loving God would never consign someone to a place called hell. And it would be a comforting thought to say that every ending is a happy ending. And that everyone's going to live happily in the ever after. And sometimes in moments of contemplation, I wonder, why do we want to say that and why do we want to think that? Do we want to say that and do we want to think that because it better fits our conception of God? Or do we want to say that and we want to think that because it gets us off the hook to tell other people about Jesus? You know what I'd love to do this morning? I would love to be able to stand here and say that after years of studying the Word of God, that there really is no place called hell. And that all those preachers and teachers in the past were mistaken. I'd love to be able to say that. But I can't. You see, I accept this book as my standard of truth. And accepting this book as my standard of truth, I simply have to say that's not so. We've been studying on our Wednesday night Bible class the teachings of Jesus. Wish you could, all of you could come and join us for that. In the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 7, verses 13 and 14, Jesus said this. He said, Enter you in at the straight gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. And many there be which go in thereat, because straight is the gate and narrow is the way that leads to life, and few there be that find it. I'm not usually a big fan of the way the message translates a passage. But in this case, I find the translation and the message to be most enlightening. Here's the way that the message translates that same passage in Matthew 7. Don't look for shortcuts to God. 
The market is flooded with surefire, easygoing formulas for a successful life that can be practiced in your spare time. Don't fall for that stuff, even though the crowds of people do. The way to life, to God, is vigorous and requires total attention. The example of the early leaders of the faith is that they gave their lives on earth to share a hope for eternity with others. They certainly believed there was a heaven and a hell. And sometimes we try and we fail in our efforts. And when we fail in our efforts, we become discouraged and downhearted. And maybe sometimes that's because we don't properly understand our task as soul winners for Jesus. It reminds me of a story I read about a salesman. He had lost a sale and it was a really large account, one that it would have generated a substantial income for him. And he was really depressed and downhearted. And he was talking to his sales manager and he said, Well, I wish I'd gotten that account, but I guess it just proves you can lead a horse to water but you can't make him drink. And the sales manager said, Son, your job is not to make him drink. Your job's to make him thirsty. That's our job. That's our task with telling other people about Jesus. It's not to make them drink. It's to live a life in front of others. A life that they can see Jesus living in us. A life of dedication. A life of commitment. A life where Jesus is important. And tell them a story with our life and our lips that makes them thirsty for Jesus. You remember the story in Matthew chapter 4? Jesus walking along the shores of Galilee, and he sees Simon and Andrew casting their nets in the sea. And Jesus calls out to them, and he says, Follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. I read a story about the parable of the fishermen. It goes like this. It came to pass that a group existed who called themselves fishermen. And lo, there were many fish in the waters all around. In fact, the whole area was surrounded by streams and lakes filled with fish, and the fish were hungry. Week after week, month after month, and year after year, those who called themselves fishermen met in meetings and talked about their call to fish. They discussed the abundance of fish and how they might go about fishing, and year after year they carefully defined what fishing means. And they defended fishing as an occupation, And they declared that fishing is always to be a primary task of a fisherman. They continually searched for new and better methods of fishing. They sought out new and better methods. And these fishermen built a large, beautiful building called the fishing station. And the plea was that everyone should be a fisherman and that every fisherman should fish. And the one thing they didn't do, however, they didn't fish. After one stirring meeting in the fishing station on the necessity of fishing, one young fellow left the meeting and went fishing. 
And the next day he reported he'd caught two outstanding fish. And he was honored for his excellent catch and scheduled to visit all the big meetings possible and tell people how he did it. So he quit fishing in order to tell others about the experience. It's time for us individually to start fishing. How? How do we do it? Often we're timid about sharing our faith. We're like the barber. If we actually have the courage to do it, will people be receptive? Isn't it social suicide to talk about things like politics and religion? Have you ever had a friend that has gone through a trial in their life? Maybe they've lost a loved one. Maybe they suffered the loss of their own health, some serious illness. And we've called and said, oh, well, I'm so sorry. Is there anything I can do? Did we ever just sit down, take their hand and say, could I pray with you? Sometimes, sharing our faith in a practical way is the most effective way we can share Jesus Christ. It's called lifestyle evangelism. Something that would impress a non-Christian and cause them to raise questions. Something that would start a conversation about Jesus Christ. Sometimes maybe we can start a discussion with a non-Christian. Not ask them a question of religion, but ask them a question concerning some particular moral issue in society. And ask them their views on that. And ask them their views without telling them, well, you're wrong. But use that as a springboard in a way to tell them about Jesus Christ. Or maybe we can use event-oriented evangelism. Inviting someone to come to a worship service. Invite someone to come to some special event. Next Lord's Day at 8.30, we're having breakfast before Bible class. Why not make your plans to come and have breakfast and get an opportunity to visit with brothers and sisters in Christ? And invite someone to come with you for breakfast and visit and stay for Bible class and worship. The first Sunday in December, we'll have our quarterly covered dish luncheon. That's a good time to bring a friend. Let them come, let them visit, and let them have an opportunity to visit with brothers and sisters that you love and hold dear. In May of next year, the first Sunday in May of next year, we're planning a celebration for the 60th anniversary of the Lord's Church and Center meeting in this building right here. It's going to be a great weekend. It's going to be a weekend of great activities. We're going to have a singing on Friday night. And as a part of that singing, we're going to have a short 10 to 12 minute devotional talk on the importance of music in the worship. And then we'll have preaching on Saturday night and we'll have a guest, we'll have a guest speaker for our devotional, for our preaching on Saturday night and for Bible class and preaching on Sunday morning. And then we'll have a covered dish luncheon. And the guest speaker that we've had scheduled now for more than a year, 
because you have to contact him at least two years in advance to get him on the schedule. We have Phil Sanders from the Search TV program scheduled to come and be our guest speaker for that event the first weekend in May. There's so many ways that we can spread the gospel to others. As I mentioned for our spring meeting, Phil Sanders of the Search TV program, the program is actually titled In Search of the Lord's Way, he'll be here as our speaker. That's a ministry that we help support financially and have been for several years. If you look at the front of the bulletin, every Sunday we have the schedule for the search program. It's an excellent opportunity to invite your friends to tune in and watch that program. How many times have any of us actually encouraged someone to tune in and watch In Search of the Lord's Way at 7.30 on Sunday morning or at 6.30 on Sunday morning? It's on KTAL out of Shreveport at 7.30. It's on DISH and it's also on DirecTV at 6.30, I believe. It's on the front of your bulletin. If we haven't encouraged others to watch it, why haven't we? Once upon a time, door knocking was an effective tool for evangelism. It's not anymore. People do not open their doors to strangers. But Facebook, the Internet, social media, those are the door knocking of the 21st century. We regularly put articles on the church's Facebook page. There's an event notification right now on the church Facebook page about our breakfast for next Sunday. We put a notification there every time we upload a sermon to the website. We put articles on there. But for these things that we post on the Facebook page to receive distribution, we have to share those with others. It's really very simple. You click a button that says share. And you share it on your timeline. We have a way, those of us who are on Facebook, there's a way that you can post and check in. Wouldn't it be wonderful if all of those of us who are on Facebook, every Lord's Day when it comes time for worship, if we checked in and our Facebook status said, Tim Perkins is at Center Church of Christ. So to everyone that's our friend, they'd say, you know, church must be important. And maybe that could be a conversation starter. Why is it that I'm always seeing that you check in at the church on Sundays? But folks, if we don't share it, it's not out there. We have the bulletin. We have articles. We have sermons, all that are on the church's website. And I'm pleased to report that for the last three months, our website has been averaging somewhere around 25 to 30 hits a week. That compares with less than five hits a week when we first launched the website three years ago. We have plans to start a podcast that will be geared toward teaching the fundamentals in a shorter form than the sermons that are posted on the website. The point of it is, 
all of these different things, we have to find ways as individuals to share them. All through the years, there's been this popular idea. Well, it's not my responsibility. It's the preacher's job, or it's the elder's job, or it's the Bible class teacher's job, or it's the, it's the deacon's job. It's not. When Jesus said, go you into all the world, Otis Gatewood wrote a book many years ago, and his title of his book was Go Ye. It means go me. The Lord's plan was for each one to bring one. And the most effective way of bringing people to Jesus is still relationship evangelism. Maybe passing out tracts. But what I'd like to do this morning, before I leave this point, I would just, I would ask, I would encourage, I would beg, literally beg, If you are on Facebook, take the time to share the posts on the church Facebook page. Take the time to pull your phone out and check in when you come to the building. Take the time to share with others the things that are posted about the Lord's church that meets in Center, Texas. Now, I'm not saying that's the only thing to do, but that's one way of doing things. Other ways, in the rack, in the foyer, there are two excellent DVDs, Searching for Truth and God's Kingdom. They've been there for years. They teach the fundamentals. How many times have we picked one of these up and handed them to somebody? Think of a friend that needs Jesus in their life. Pick up a DVD of Searching for Truth. Go and buy a package of microwave popcorn. Hand them the DVD and a package of microwave popcorn and say, Hey, I love you. Would you watch this? I'll even furnish the popcorn for you to eat while you're watching the movie. What's the worst thing that can happen? They eat the popcorn and throw the DVD in the trash. The best thing that can happen is they might actually watch the DVD. Or they might say, you know, if this is something that's that important to my friend, maybe I ought to see what it's all about. There are these back there in the foyer. I realize that they lack a lot in quality, but it's the best we got. But it's CDs, copies of sermons preached. Now, I'll be honest with you, there are some of them that I never make a copy of because... They're just not worth making a copy of. But some of them are. And there are copies of them to take and pass out and listen to. There are excellent tracks back there. There are reprints back there. For instance, this one. Think of someone you know that has left the Lord. It's a reprint from the work of Wes McAdams, preaching minister for the McDermott Road Church of Christ in Plano, Texas. Wes has an excellent blog post called Radically Christian. This one is, if I come back to the church, will you welcome me with open arms? It's in the rack. Pick it up. Give it to someone that's left the Lord and say, I wish you'd come back to the Lord. What's the worst thing that can happen? I've never known anybody to get slapped or hit in the mouth. 
They might wad it up and throw it in the nearest trash can. But at least we've tried. And then there are other things back there. Churches of Christ, who are these people? And so many other tracts. And we'll have other literature that's going to be printed before long. For instance, I know of a case where there's a, a man in another congregation that carries business-sized cards for the church he's a member of. And it just has the information about the church on there. And when he eats out in a restaurant, he leaves that on the table. When he checks out in the grocery store, he hands it to the cashier. It's a simple thing, isn't it? And you wonder, okay, well, why do that? Well, you know, what I know of is that in the congregation that he's a member of, not long ago, they baptized a man and his wife and their children come to church because he was eating out in a restaurant and left that card on the table for the waitress. Now, if you're going to leave a card like that for the waitress, be sure you leave a pretty good tip. Don't, don't try to, you know, stiff them for the tip and then leave the card. But the point being, you never know what it is that you're going to do that will bring someone to Jesus Christ. Soul winning. Personal evangelism. It's not just putting the Bible under your arm and the film strips under the other arm and the projector in this hand and knocking on the door and saying, I want to tell you about Jesus. That's not soul winning anymore. Soul winning is not putting the Bible under your arm and going door to door. It's about relationships. It's about our relationship to Jesus and our relationship with other people. It's about bringing our friends to Jesus. Andrew and John spent the day with Jesus. And after Andrew and John spent the day with Jesus, what was the first thing that Andrew did? He went and found his brother Simon and he brought him to Jesus. Now, maybe you don't feel like anything that I have mentioned this morning is of any value. And maybe you don't feel like any of these things are effective, then I would beg you, tell me how you do it. It reminds me of Billy Sunday one time. Someone came out and told Billy Sunday, they said, Mr. Sunday, I don't like the way you go about soul winning. He said, well, tell me how you do it. Man said, well, I don't do it. Billy Sunday said, well, I like the way I do it better than the way you don't do it. The simple truth is, folks, no American generation has ever had a need for the gospel of Jesus Christ in our generation. And in the midst of a generation of people screaming for answers, Christians are stuttering. Oliver Cromwell was an English military and political leader. During the reign of Oliver Cromwell, there was a shortage of currency in the British Empire. And representatives carefully searched the nation in hopes of finding silver to meet the emergency. After a month, the committee returned to Oliver Cromwell with its report. And they said, we've searched the entire empire in vain, seeking to find silver. And they said, to our dismay, we have found no silver anywhere except in the cathedrals, where the statues of the saints are made of silver. To this, Oliver Cromwell eloquently answered, 
then let's melt down the saints and put them into circulation. It's time for us to be put into circulation. Jesus calls us to be the salt of the earth and the light of the world. It's His invitation as we stand and while we sing.